Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. We're very excited today because this is the first time Danae and I have actually recorded a session with a couple. And we wanted to do so because we felt like this topic that this couple wrote into us about is one that a lot of people can really relate to. Um, I know as a couples therapist, I've, I've dealt with many couples who have struggled with um, co-parenting and also parenting together as a couple when there's a, a child from a previous relationship, right? Especially one that's a preteen, which we will talk about as well. So today we are talking to Jay and Gloria, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the struggles they're having. It sounds like um, exactly what I just said, right? Like parenting when you have a child from another marriage, parenting when you have these other relationships that are kind of obviously still there in the mix in some way from the past um, and how to do this together. And I'm assuming just the healthiest way possible. You know, you both wrote in and you said that you've done a lot of work together, separate and together. Um, it sounds like this relationship feels much more conscious than any pre- previous relationship you both have had, which is exciting to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but why don't you all kind of take us through what the biggest rub is for you that, I guess I always use the word catalyst, right? Like what the catalyst was for you to reach out and be like, no, eh, we'd like some perspective on this. So um, I have a soon to be 13 year old daughter. I, um, I had been previously married for for about five years, and in that relationship was 
extremely chaotic and what I like to say toxic. Um, I was in and out of that relationship. It was super, super, super um, hurtful to my daughter. I had uh, left the relationship probably eight or nine times. Um, I, in that time, I was a heavy drinker. I put myself in AA and the relationship was extremely chaotic and my daughter just suffered a lot in that mm. relationship. Um, I finally was able to break free from that relationship and I had separated and now divorced for about going on two years. Um, in that time, I had did a lot of work um, and I decided that I was ready to try and possibly date. Um, and this, and when I met Gloria here, my partner, we've been dating now for going on 11 months and we have the most conscious, healthiest relationship that I've ever had, especially being in my sobriety. Um, it allows me also to heal. And I think the relationship between us is fantastic. I, I have the best relationship with her. Um, However, my daughter, I don't think, was ready for the relationship. Mm. Although she said she was, she has um, now have her reservations with my partner. Um, in the beginning, it seemed everything seemed to be in flow, and we had came across a situation where Gloria, um, I want to say stepped out of character with my daughter and was was a bit firm with my daughter and I guess it was too much too soon for mm -hmm. my daughter and my daughter didn't like it um and from there ever since the relationship has been really rocky uh, my daughter pulls in and out of the relationship she tries to have a relationship with Gloria then she pulls back from the relationship with Gloria. And in that time, she's mean. Mm -hmm. She'll come off rude um, and not interested, which has pinned us against each other. And to the point where sometimes I feel like I'm in the middle. Yeah. And it's very difficult because it's also hurtful to her. And it hurts her. And then it hurts me. And then my daughter's hurt. And she's like, oh, you choose Gloria. It's just... Mm -hmm extremely difficult and I just feel like I cannot have a relationship with her without my daughter it's just mm -hmm. it, it can't happen, mm -hmm. you know and I want to have this relationship is good and I want my daughter to see it because we came from a really hard background mm -hmm. our past has a lot of um things in it that hurt her and mm -hmm. she doesn't necessarily know how to let it go. And she brings up my past relationship a lot here. Mm. And I remind her often that that person is not her. It's not the same. You're making, yeah. her pay. You're making her pay for what that other person did. And she doesn't know how to let it go. I've had her in therapy. She didn't want to do therapy anymore. She's kind of in those teenage years where she knows everything. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's, it's been it's been pretty hard you know it's yeah. been pretty hard because I want to keep this relationship and I just I don't know how I don't know how to keep I don't know how to help my daughter heal mm. from that pain although I've healed I don't know how to help her heal mm. and she's just taking it out on her 
on my on my my current partner and is really putting a strain on our relationship where sometimes Gloria is just like, I don't know how, how to do this. I don't know how we're going to work out. Yeah. So add a little bit of context to this. I was also married uh, for three and a half years in a relationship for 10. I am 99% sure that person was very narcissistic. And um, I didn't realize that's what it was until I was out near the end of my marriage. I started to realize, okay, I don't know if perhaps everything that they're making me think or feel is accurate. Mm-hmm. And I credit uh, Iyan Zant for helping me open my eyes to this. Mm-hmm. And then me and my best friend were like addicted to her show and the healing and the learning that came from it. So good. And, yeah, <laughs> totally. And then all the healing and all the podcasts just followed after that. And you just can't, I can't get enough of it. And then mm-hmm. Jazz is kind enough to put me on to YouTube. So more, more of the juice, you know? Um, I was kind of thrust into a parent role in my marriage. And here I'm reminded that Jazz is a parent. The other parent is also active in Jazz's child's life. So I don't have to parent. And that was part of the struggle for me in the beginning was you don't have to parent. I didn't know what that looked like. So I had to figure it out with Jazz. Thank God I didn't have to figure it out alone at least. Mm -hmm. But then it was, okay, what does that look like and feel like for you, for Jazz and for the child? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but and the catalyst for the hard reminder Jazz had reminded me in the past um, but the hard reminder was that incident that happened if you've seen that movie um, The Help I call it the terrible awful mm. so I call that incident the terrible awful where I stepped out of line I, I was very very firm and I even cursed mm-hmm. uh, but I realized shortly like seconds after A I was triggered it reminded mm-hmm. me of something my other daughter did and b that shouldn't have happened and i went straight to jazz to talk about it but by then it was a little too late the the bad thing had already happened and that was a catalyst for all the rocky that we have now Mm. i think the reason why we both wrote in was because of a tiny tiny little thing that just i think it was evident that there is a huge issue here that somehow needs to be fixed and it was just bad behavior um, stemming from the child, yeah, not accepting and just and just pushing away. And for a while, I had just taken it and just you know made myself small and kind of felt there's not really much I could say or do. This is for you know them two to figure out. But then my partner took it upon themselves when they caught that. Before I said it before to you, babe, like before I could even turn around and open my mouth and catch my breath to say something. My partner made it their business to go into the room with the child and have a firm discussion as to why that behavior is unacceptable. And you cannot do that. You know, I'm so grateful because in my marriage, I was always made to feel like I was wrong. Yeah. And how I see things and how I perceive things and how I feel about things doesn't matter. Because I wasn't raised the way that they were. I didn't see things the way that they were. And I was just different from how they were. Here, it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. I, may, I may be different. I may have had a different experience, but that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So at least we see each other, we hear each other, we understand each other, and we're willing to work with each other. And in that moment, I felt like, wow, I'm not even being included, even mm-hmm. though it affected me and it happened to me, but I understand and it's okay. Like, that's something that they have to do in the way that works for them. Mm-hmm. But that was that that small incident, it wasn't as big in a tangible sense, like the terrible, mm-hmm. awful that I did, but it was big in the sense that 
it affected me deeply in an emotional sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it affected uh, my partner as well because they made it their business to handle immediately in the way that they did. So I think mm-hmm. that was a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Everything led up to, but, but then that incident was a catalyst for us writing into you both. I think that there are two things I want to ask you guys to think about for me, mm-hmm. right? So whenever we're talking about co-parenting a child, um, and this, you know, Jay, because you have another partner who is also um, a voice that is coming in with whatever the two of you decide, that is the co-parenting that I'm talking about, right? So the two of you essentially are like one family structure, and then there's another family structure. And these structures are sort of going to be, this is the way that we do things in our system, in our household, holding in mind that there is another system, another household that your daughter is going back to. And I, I know I'm like preaching to the choir, I think you're well aware of this, but yeah. I just want to sort of name that, right? And so what I think becomes really important is for the two of you to start with a conversation around what are, like, what does parenting mean? What are the values that we sort of are? Um, and so Jay, this starts with you a little bit. Like, what are my values in terms of the way that I want my daughter to um, understand who I am as a parent, what that means to be quote parented. And let me just give an example, I guess. Like, so for me, um, I sort of, my approach to parenting tends to be a little bit more like in the conscious parenting realm, meaning um, I don't believe that because I'm an adult, I have like adult supremacy over my child, that my child is less than a human being. That's something that many of us were raised with. That is sort of like a paradigm and a way of holding parenting. I don't hold that to be true. Um, and so, you know, Catherine Winter Celery, who's a parenting expert, I just want to give a shout out because she's the person I took this from and it was so helpful. Um, she sort of gave this example that you know, her dad was in um, a conflict with her child and, you know, she came in and instead of sort of like jumping in the conflict and starting to parent her child, she came in and as if she was talking to two human beings that said, what's going on here, guys? Um, tell me what happened, right? And so each person gets to feel like they have a voice, right? And so I'm giving you an example of like what my value in terms of parenting and how I might parent, but you guys get to have that conversation yourself. Like, what does that look like and how do we want to structure that? And that's a decision you make together away from your daughter, right? Now, that being said, Jade, this is where um, this becomes like sort of the challenging, challenging aspect of parenting. But what I'm going to ask you to do a little bit is start to play with allowing Gloria to have her own relationship with your daughter, meaning they are going to have their own dynamics, their um, own conflicts sometimes. And it's not that like, I'm out of it, like I don't ever sort of jump in, but it's that thing of a little bit like allowing your daughter to advocate for herself with Gloria, allowing her to have her own perspective with Gloria. Because if you don't, what will end up happening is what you're speaking to. This dynamic of like, I feel like I'm sort of like in the middle with Mm -hmm. the two of them. I feel like there's this triangulation happening and I'm like, I'm trying to pick a side, but this is my kid, this is my love. And it just puts you not only in an awful position, but also really puts like a wedge and a challenge in their ability to cultivate a relationship with one another. Does that make sense? agree to, to to what you're saying um and i've also encouraged gloria to try to have that relationship but because of what had happened before between them it kind of like the relationship severed and my daughter put up a wall which she doesn't want to put down for mm-hmm. her 
you know, my daughter basically had told me that she's not interested in forgiving Gloria and she's not, she doesn't want to forget. And she uses the past relationship to gauge mm. right now, this experience, what she's already been through. So for her, those little moments, that, that, that moment that happened reminded her of the past and she's scared to allow Gloria to come back in. And she told me quite frankly that she doesn't trust that Gloria won't hurt her again. Mm-hmm. So she told me that she's 50, a 12 year old told me that she is 50% aware that she is sabotaging the relationship on purpose. Yeah. So it hurts me to hear my daughter say this because I feel at this point, she doesn't want me in this relationship because she's afraid that what happened in the past is going to happen again. And with every reason, like I understand, I just don't think that she sees this new person that I've become. Although I know that I've made the change, that doesn't necessarily mean that she trusts me a hundred percent. And I don't know how to show her in the ways that I've changed. And I want to model a healthy relationship for her. Yes. It's like she rejects, rejects, rejects. And it makes our relationship more difficult to the point where now when we're all together, it's like both of them are tiptoeing around each other. And it just makes the dynamic really uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm trying to do things where we are all incorporated together, where it feels like we're all in flow, but it just, we're not there yet. And I don't know how to get back to that point where my daughter frankly told me, I don't want a relationship or glory. Early on in my relationship, I feel like Jazz was trying to do exactly what you said. I feel like they were trying to allow for me to establish a relationship with their child. And mm-hmm. their child's cell phone number, and we would text each other, and that was going all fine and dandy until the terrible awful. And then the fragment, you know, the fragment happened, and then it was a huge paradigm shift. I feel like my partner's trying to allow for that now, and I feel, I, I think I've, I'm pretty sure I've said this to you. Um, I, I probably only said it once, but I feel like now I realize that allowing for that type of free, open reign relationship with your child so early on might've been a little bit too much too soon. And I think I got a little too comfortable. And now we have this issue and I do want to have a relationship with their child, but I am also, and I think you know this, afraid and also I've I think I know I've said this to you once or twice like why should I feel like I want to have a relationship with them too when they keep treating me this way so my partners express to me the same thing that their child is feeling and, and communicating to them with regards to a relationship with me I seem to be communicating the same thing to my partner when it comes to a relationship with their child it looks like me and Bella are literally in the same space now okay so I want to I want to offer something to play with, okay? First, I want to invite you guys to stop referring to the incident as the terrible awful. It's giving okay. it a lot of power that I think we want to just sort of like get that out of it, right? So we want to normalize ruptures and repairs, which means 
in relationships, we are going to have moment of testing boundaries, of challenging confrontations that like when we come together and process them, they can actually make our relationships stronger, right? So what I give as an example, a lot of times in the therapy room is like, I love it when a client gets mad at me. I love it when a client like almost wants to leave therapy because what that gives me an opportunity to do is build trust with that client, right? You can get mad at me and I can hold that and I'm not going anywhere. And a little bit, that is what your daughter was testing and is frankly continuing to test, right? And so Gloria, I'm going to ask you to step into the realm a little bit of like the, I can be in relationship with you. And one, yes, you don't get to sort of talk to me any kind of way that I wouldn't let anyone else in the world talk to me. And I can hold your anger and not like take it personally and know that it's not about me, right? It's a little bit this thing of like what kids do is like, I give the example a lot of times if if you send your kid and Jay, you know about this, like if you send your kid to um, to preschool or wherever like the school is in like early development, they will be like a little angel all day, <laughs> like just hanging out, chilling, like no problems. The minute they come home, they're like, wow. and like, you're like, whoa, why are all the emotions saved for me? It's because one, you're a safer space, a safer container, but also it's a little bit of like, testing what is safe in the world when they're around new people, right? And so that takes time. This is a little bit of like, I'm, I'm asking both of you, I guess, to give this some time and space and understand that what it is right now is not what it will always be. But if both of you really normalize this is what happens in relationships, you guys. We are building trust with one another. This takes time. There's no rush. We get to take whatever amount of time we need to build safety with one another. And so, Jay, that's a little bit of what you were speaking to. Like, we're drawing from the past as our reference of what the future can and will be. No, we sort of say, like, the past is... Um, what it was. And we are going to, to rebuild something new and different based on, you know, who we are becoming. And we want to allow space for that. Um, yeah, I think, I think, so I want to jump on the last thing I heard you say, Danae, which is this idea of time. It's like, Jay, you look at your and Gloria's relationship with this amazing, like, this is this, this is this amazing relationship that I have found and I have cultivated and I have worked for. And all of that is true. And what it sounds like is there's a lot of pain around your daughter not also being able to see this relationship the way that you see this relationship, right? And I think we can also hold with respect that both can be true. Like, she can be scared. She can actually not even both, all things can be true. She can be scared. She can acknowledge that she's sabotaging. She can also see how beautiful it is. She can also be terrified by that. She can all, like, there's a lot of things happening right now. And especially at 12, like, can we all just also talk to the fact that 12, 13 is like a fucking crazy time, right? Like we think we're emotional. Like that shit is like, she's a toddler again. Basically her brain development right now, right? Is as if she were two years old again. And I have a two year old right now right? So like, we all know what that is like. And so I do think we are building exactly what Danae said. It's like, we are showing her that rupture and repair is very normal in relationship. And this is what it looks like. We get to set boundaries around how we get spoken to. We get to set boundaries around, you know, being polite and all these things. And also you can be mad at me. That's okay. I still love you. I'm still here. And also remembering what it was like to parent a toddler because she's going to come in hot. And I promise you this will not be the last time she comes in hot. 
she's 12. You got like a lot more to go, right? And so I almost like kind of half jokingly want to normalize the fact that like you're like at the tip of the iceberg of like teenage <laughs> explosions, real. right? And so <laughs> I love it's it's real, right? I mean, I was a I was a monster when I was 13. Like I commend my mom <laughs> for not murdering me half the time because I look back now and I'm like, damn, I was a lot, right? Everything just feels so much bigger and everything is life and death and everything is, you know, and so I, I also just want to put words to that because that's, I think that is a component here too that we just haven't really spoken yeah. to yet. Yeah, I spoke to my therapist about this um, and she also told me like, take the power from Bella. Don't give her the power to control the dynamic. And I feel that that my parenting style is very different from hers, even though I've asked her in the very beginning of the relationship, my daughter has two very active parents in her life. She doesn't need you to come in to our relationship and parent. Like, you're free of that burden. I just want you to be that bonus person to her, that person that can model um, healthy behaviors. You know, we're going to have conflict, but what does that look like? How does the repair look like, you know? And I just, I, I never wanted her to step outside of it. And, you know, shit happens. And here we are. And it's, it's, it's just frustrating. I just feel like I'm constantly going down a rabbit hole and trying to come back for air and telling my partner, like, hey, I'm still here. Please don't leave me. I know this is hard. And then on the other side, I'm telling my daughter, like, your behavior is unacceptable. The way you're acting is unacceptable. So it's like, I'm, I'm kind of like just torn in the middle and. But I wonder, Jay, can I interrupt for a second? Because I wonder this idea of being torn while I completely understand it. I also wonder, like, it sounds like you're putting so much pressure on yourself to be the one that solves this and makes them have a good relationship. And I think a little bit of what Danae was speaking to, like, I get that desire and I wonder what it would feel like for you to say, that's actually not my job. Like my job is, it's not your job between anybody to make sure that they're okay, right? And I get the desire, trust me, I'm not minimizing the desire. You do feel like you're in the middle of it and that is hard. And you know, it's, it's almost like what Danae was saying about what Catherine Winter Celery said when she came in and she said, hey, what's going on? It's like, I wonder what it would be like for you to attempt to ask your daughter, like, hey, explain to me what's happening for you right now. What is going on for you that is contributing to you, you know, having this kind of outburst or speaking to Gloria in this kind of way? Just coming from a purely curious, let me listen perspective. And then doing the same thing with Gloria if you feel like you need to, rather than say, hey, that's unacceptable. You don't need to jump in. This is what we're going to do. Um, because I wonder if attempting to kind of control that is also giving you more anxiety than actually relief, right? Because we know know the harder we cling on to things and want them to be or look a certain way I mean the less likely they are right and just the more anxiety we're yeah have around it. and I hear as you're speaking Jay I hear some ambivalence from your daughter right like it's like I'm trying to like be in relationship with Gloria but then I don't know if like that's gonna somehow like you know take this parent away from me if it's safe if like and so a little bit what I hear Vanessa speaking to is 
you know, you get to affirm, like, I still see you. I still care so much about how both of you feel. And actually, it's not my job to, like, referee between the two of you. I'm not going to do that. And this a little bit gives your daughter an opportunity, like, you're modeling her, advocating for herself in this life, right? Like, you get to um, speak to how things feel for you. And I care about that. It doesn't mean that, like, in any person is going to just let you speak to them any kind of way in this life, but you get to feel what you feel. And I care about that, you know? So it's that thing of seeking to understand before like jumping in with the parenting and the compliance. And this is what you're not allowed to do in this house. Like it's, it's a little bit like, yes, we all want to speak to one another respectfully, but that's like hopefully human beings in general. Right. Like, but we also very much both care about how you feel, you know? Right. And, and Gloria's, has come to a point where she's afraid to tell my daughter how she feels. Cause I've said like, if you don't, sometimes I want to interject when I see my daughter behaving badly towards her. But I also feel that her as an adult should say, Hey, like, this is not okay. This is how you made me feel. But wait, Gloria, have you, let me ask you this. Have you said to her, you know, um, Elise, like I'm afraid to tell you how I feel. Because I also, there's a little bit of this that feels like we've got to take a step back and dig down into a little bit more of a vulnerable space Mm -hmm. because no matter what we're, what we're attempting to do, it does feel like we're trying to come in above the problem rather than come in from below. Mm -hmm. And what I say, what I mean by that is like, rather than be like, you know, you don't get to talk to me like that. Just for example, you say, God, that really, that hurts. That really hurts when you speak to me like that. And I'll tell you, I'm afraid to tell you how much that hurts my feelings because I'm afraid that you're then going to take that and, and use it against me. Whatever, I'm making it up, right? But like, yeah, it's like, it's like, can you use that language, you know? Instead of saying like, hey, you know, that kind of, I'm not saying you're doing that, but it's like, instead of shutting it down, like Danae is saying, can we say, wow, that hurts. Correct me if I'm wrong, babe, but how Vanessa just described approaching potentially addressing the behavior with her. Jay has made it their business to constantly talk to their child that way. Um, Hey, what you just said was hurtful, you know, from like a place of love and understanding first and foremost, which I think is always tell my partner, like you are the most amazing form of parenting I've ever seen. Like you are the best parent I've I've Mm -hmm. seen like, Oh my God, you have the patience of a saint, a million saints. Um, I don't know if that resonates with their child as much as I would like it to. I feel like their child sees that and hears that and it's like, okay, whatever. And just, it goes right over their head and like into one ear, out of the other. And when I've been firm with them in the past, not, not just one way, like I've just said, wow, you know what, that right there is not okay. Well, like, that shit absolutely sucks. You know, like that firm kind of approach seems to resonate with them more. And I don't know if it's because it's firmer than what my partner does or if it's because it's coming from me. But now, because it could be both, but because my partner approaches the way that they do, and I absolutely know I can do that. I can absolutely start a conversation from a place of love, mutual understanding and respect. And I want what I want at the end is for you to talk to me more than I'm saying anything. Cause I want to understand what all this is from you more. Right. I can do that, but I now don't, don't feel safe. I now feel like whatever I'm trying to do or to achieve for won't be accomplished and it won't be respected and it wouldn't, it won't matter to them. So I feel like what's the point. And whenever I feel 
like I'm being hurt. I, I'm afraid to say anything to that child for fear that the way that I come out will either be ignored, won't be understood, or just won't be... Or you trigger her. Like, she'll be triggered right. by something and from the, her past. And it might make it worse. Right. So, my partner's been telling me, you need to speak up, you need to say something, but I'm afraid to do it. And in, and in turn, it's making me feel so much more smaller. Hmm. And that in itself is triggering because this is how I felt in my marriage. And I promised yes. myself, I would not allow myself to feel small again. And yeah. it, it, it hurts so much. It's literally a tangible feeling in my chest that I feel right now. And yeah, I think to me, that's a lot why there's so much power in what Vanessa is suggesting, which mm -hmm. is really humanizing yourself for um, Bella, <laughs> which is, you know, this thing of this is hard and I don't know how to do this right. And I'm, I'm jumping in here, attempting to be in relationship with you and doing the best I can. It's that thing of like, say the thing, right? Say the truth of what's happening. Some of this is that, you know, we are dealing with a soon to be 13 year old and Vanessa's not wrong. You guys like, she's got to be an a-hole. Like that's just like the reality of what this like, like period of time brings. Right. And so, yes, you can like with deep breaths and what feels like it's going in one ear and out the other is resonating and she's hearing you more than it feels like. And I need you to like, hold on to that within me. The two of you go in the back room and, you know, when like you're at your wits ends a little bit and also know this is what parenting a teenager is and is going to be. And you can still, and it's not this thing of like, I need you to respect me. I want us to respect each other. You know, I want us to talk to one another and create a household where we feel safe with each other. Right. And I am so open and wanting to hear how I can do that for you. But I also like really want to bring you into what this feels like for me, because I don't have all the answers. I'm doing the best I can, you know, but I'm really trying to care about you and to be in your life in a way that feels like you can feel safe with me. Do you know what I mean? And also when you say that going back to the teenager thing again it is very likely that when you show up in an intimate and vulnerable space she's gonna roll her eyes at you and walk out of the room oh i that think has already expressed thing <laughs> that has nothing to do with you and this it doesn't mean that she's not hearing you exactly and i think this is it too it's again with the toddler right it's like going back to parenting a two-year-old We've got to take it. This is not easy. Trust me. We know we all know this, but we've got to take the personalization out of the response. Like, you know how we always say, like, you both have done lab. You both have listened to Danae and I a million times. We always talk about like you showing up and speaking your truth and saying it in a clear, kind and compassionate and concise way. Right. That has nothing to do with the other person. It actually doesn't. It has to do with you, right? It's not about how they respond. It's because you have decided, this is how I'm going to hold myself in relationship. This is how I'm going to speak to people in relationship. This is how I know I need to communicate my truth because I promised myself I would never feel small again, right? Because when I hear you say, now listen, I'm a New Yorker and I tend to come across a little harsh, right? And so sometimes my gut reaction is to be like, uh, excuse you. I literally just said to my kid's teacher the other day, the number of times in a day that I look at my two-year-old and go, excuse you, <laughs> it's like, is a lot, right? That is my natural inclination. So trust me when I say, I get it. And I am trying so hard to be like, after I say the excuse you, to go, you know what? It doesn't feel good when you speak to mommy like that. Period. Walk away. 
I don't need you to respond to me in any kind of way. I just need to speak my truth in a way that I'm attempting to get quote unquote better at how I communicate it, right? And, and it is from that deeper, more intimate place. And so I think, I think, Laura, you can do that. It's like you can be heard. You can be firm, by the way, because I also don't believe that you, don't, you can't be firm and compassionate in the same sentence, like in the same way. You know, like you can say to somebody like, that really hurts, and I don't like being spoken to that way. That sounds to me really firm. You know what I mean? But like there's got to, I, I feel like a lot of this also right now is like we've got to start to like, we're, we're not holding a lot of the tension of the opposites here. It's like all these things can be true, which is kind of what I said earlier. It's like I can be firm and I can be passionate. I can speak my truth in this way and she can take it or leave it and she can walk out of the room and that doesn't have anything to do with me, right? Like all of these things can be true at once, I guess. Yeah, and a little bit what I hear you speaking to underneath that, Vanessa, is there's a little bit of like a perfectionism that I'm hearing, like we're sort of expecting from our, like, I got to get it perfect or I'm not parenting well, right? And what I want to name will happen because I'm sure it already has and will continue to is this thing of like, you do the thing and then it gets like thrown in your face when you've done something imperfectly, like, this is what you always do. And you talk to me this one time and this, you know, and, and what it becomes is like, no part of me and I own this. No part of me is diminished by me not doing this perfectly. I get to be human. I get to be a work in progress. I get to be doing the best I can. And you can literally name that out loud, but that's like, this is your relationships across the board. And that's a little bit what you were speaking to about like previous relationships. People will try to like drudge up the past and tell you why this is who you're always going to be because this is what I've seen you do one time. No, I get to define myself for myself. I get to decide who I'm going to be in the world and in relationships. And I get to start in this moment, big breath over again. And I get to, you know, I get to own that like me doing something imperfectly does not mean that I am less worthy of love, of partnership, of connection, of all the things, right? I get to be imperfect. I own that for me. Yeah. Guess what? You're also teaching her that. That's right. That's yeah. modeling you that. Step for your into daughter. that. Yes, that's what you're also modeling, right? So, like, Gloria, in those moments that you say, like, let's say you, you do it in that way where you're like, wow, that really hurt. And I really don't appreciate being spoken to like that. And then you just let it, let it lie, right? It sounds almost like there's no way that we can get from that step to like step Z, which is what Danae is saying. But trust us when we say that's what you're modeling to her. You're modeling mm -hmm. to her that, like, I can be imperfect and I know I'm not that person all the time, right? I continue to get, I get to show up every day, try again, continue to make mistakes and continue to try again. And that's okay. I still love me and I still respect me enough to say in this moment, that really hurt because that is self-respect and you're modeling that for her too. Yeah. And I always encourage her, like, tell her how you're feeling because then what ends up happening is I go to my daughter and I explain to her how she made her feel. And I don't think that's my job to, to say, like, this it's is how you A thousand partner. percent, Jay. It's not. Yes. And, and, and that's and keeping I, you in the triangle. Right. And I try to encourage her, like, tell her how you feel because you keep brushing it under the carpet. And eventually, like, you're going to have this moment of explosion again. And you're going to go right back to square one. And then I'm just going to feel... Like the relationship isn't going to work. And then I have to let go of the relationship just to maintain, I don't even know, uh, a safe space for my daughter. No. Well, and here's what I, I want to call out something too. And that sounds, 
it sounds so painful hearing you talk about it, Jay. And also, I'm putting myself in Gloria's position. And I'm not saying you're do this, doing this purposely, but I'm putting myself in Gloria's position. And that must feel really unsafe for you, Gloria. Because in a way, there's almost like this thing being held over your head. Like, if I don't mm -hmm. get this right with this kid, Jay's going to leave. Yeah, even vice versa. Like, I feel like it may sure. be too late for her. And it's like, I can't handle this anymore. I've yeah. tried. Your daughter's just not being receptive. And it, it, it's going to come to the point where enough is enough already. I love you, but I don't love your kid. And I don't want no. I don't want that shit a part of my life anymore. You know, she's allowed to say that. And I get scared that that's what may happen. Like, you want a relationship with me, but not with my kid. Then what? Like, and that doesn't I, work for you. It, it's just not going to work for me. I need, I need for us to just be in a healthy flow and a healthy dynamic. And I'm struggling in the ways of how to do that. And I understand that my daughter's 12 and I have to remember she's immature. I can't expect her to have the same maturity that I have and being in this, this healing space that I've arrived. You know, yeah. she's, still, she, she's still stuck in the in her traumas from the past and they show here in this relationship and i constantly have to remind her we're not there anymore i know that, that I, I i acknowledge that it happened i know that this happened to us i know that this happened to you but this is not that situation i promise you we're gonna be in conflict she thinks that when we have in conflict that it's bad you know like this horrible i'm scared this is happening again and i'm like conflict i tell her conflict is actually healthy yeah, it's, it's, it's healthy. It's an opportunity to grow and to learn each other. It's just in the ways in that moment, the things that we're doing. Like, I'm not just because we're having conflict doesn't mean I'm going to be disrespectful to you and and, and act out in ways that are going to make you uncomfortable. You know, it, I'm, I'm not doing that. But I don't think that my daughter sees me in that space just yet. You know, yeah. she's still, she's still carrying that hurt. She still has this emotional wound that is here it's like the baggage is here and i don't know how to unpack it and say this belongs there and this belongs this stays here i just i'm stuck and i don't know how to help her heal from that i just heard you say i don't know she has all this emotional baggage and i don't know how to unpack it Thank that's you, her baggage she exactly. has to unpack it mm -hmm. but as a 12 year old i feel like it's my job as her parent to guide her to be that guiding post to guide her but you just said this is her baggage and I don't know how to unpack it. Yeah. I'm flagging yeah. it for you. That is that that hit me hard. Yeah. You this is maybe going back to what they just pointed out to us is it's not your responsibility. Right. And I know part of me too is guilty because it was my experience that she was a part of that mm. that brought her to this face that she's in that that heaviness that she carries and i want to remind you that it's your experience also that you went to aa and that you became a conscious woke person and that you did your work and you continue to do your work and you model all the healthy and you continue to give her that experience now too and that this is her present like you always remind her your past is your past use it as a catalyst to model your present same yeah. thing with your past is your past this is your present now we are your present mm -hmm. yeah
Yeah, there's something I just want to name that, you know, when we shift away from codependency into more interdependent relationships, I think a lot of what that looks like to me ultimately is you're safe here. You're safe to be a self. I don't need you to perform for me. I don't need you to be anything other than what you are to be safe. And a lot of times with couples, what I love to suggest is some of the conversations around things like the D word, like the divorce, the if this happens, then we're not going to be able to be together. I love to say, let's just like put those on a shelf so high, we can't even get to them. We don't talk that way. And it's not just for the two of you and creating relational safety because of like what that activates within you when you have those conversations. And I'm sure you can feel like even Vanessa and I have like a little physical reaction to like that type of like, because it just feels unsafe, right? When we're sort of like, if this happens, then I'm out or this won't work, right? Not only does that create a lack of safety for the two of you, but it does for your daughter as well. Meaning, She's also in the space of like testing, like how far can I push before Gloria is going to be out, right? And so what creates a lot of relational safety is I'm not going anywhere. You can't say anything to make me not care about you. Like, I'm you here, push girl. as hard as sorry. you want. Sorry. Keep yeah. it up. Keep it coming. I'm not going anywhere. Right? And that's and that, like wicked witch, though. I don't want to do that. And I think that's what their therapist was maybe alluding to when they said take the power away I don't know necessarily what they meant by that but could it be that that's what the therapist was alluding to like you Gloria have to say or model smile whatever you do or say it you know like I'm duck's feathers it doesn't affect me and it is what it is that's not what I'm saying though no yeah I don't want you to like I don't want you to like be taking emotional abuse that's not what I'm advocating for but I am saying like doesn't mean you get to talk to me anyway but like a little bit I hear her testing, right? Like, how far can I push before you're going to break? And it's like, listen, we're going to, like, care and respect one another. I'm not going anywhere. So, you know, please know that there's nothing you can say to me that's going to make me not care about you. That is, like, a very containing emotional statement. Like, that's not what's happening, right? And we're going to... We're going to really work to talk to each other in a way that we would want to be talked to. That's hopefully where we're moving towards. And it may not happen today, right? But some of this is like actions speak louder than words. So you're staying and you're like not dropping the like, I don't know how much more of this I can take before I'm out of here. Not dropping those. That builds that that structure of like, we are safe here. We are safe to be the fullest embodiment of my emotional self. And that doesn't mean anybody's going anywhere. And to build on that too, Danae, when we talk about safety, so a little bit, Jay, what we were talking about, about you not fixing it, like not jumping in to fix the situation, she senses your anxiety and senses you trying to jump in and save and fix, right? And that yeah. also tells her that the relationship is unsafe. Mm-hmm. So you, and, and it doesn't even have to be said. It doesn't have to be spoken, right? So the way that you jump into that triangle and start to play that little bit of that like referee is also just reiterating to her, me and Gloria are not safe together. We actually need this triangle. We need this third point in order to be in relationship with each other. So I think a lot of this, like Danae and I talk about constantly, right? This move from codependency to interdependency Listen, no one's saying you're going to allow your kid to be in some crazy abusive relationship. And no one is saying that you're going to allow Gloria to be like, you know, talk to you like an absolute pile of garbage. Like that is not what we're saying. But when we are in those moments of conflict, our only responsibility, because she's 12, she's not two, actually. Our Mm -hmm. only responsibility in that moment is just to soothe ourselves. 
ooh, this is hard. They are fighting. They are talking to each other some sort of way. And it is not my business. It's not my business. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to name that Vanessa and I are speaking to this specifically because I think we both can tell that is not what is happening with Gloria. Like we can just sense like Gloria is not being abusive to this child. And so there is room and space for that. Right. And yeah. Yeah. For you to say like, you guys work it out a little bit. And what that does is create this container. What I hear Vanessa speaking to is that also creates a a container for your daughter in I trust Gloria. That's important, right? Like your your daughter needs to feel I J trust Gloria. That that's important because if I like kids are like little GPS systems on their parents. If she feels that you don't trust Gloria to like contain whatever emotional things are happening, then she won't trust Gloria. So that's really important for you to sort of send the message. No, like I trust in Gloria. I trust in Gloria's care for you and that Gloria has your best interest at heart. And so I don't need to jump in here because you are with a safe space with my partner. In a safe space with my partner. A safe space might still swear sometimes. A safe space might get get a little pissed off and snap and say like, "Uh, excuse you, you don't get to talk to me like that. And then you know what a safe space does? Once the safe space is cooled down, that safe space gets to go and say, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. That wasn't cool. My feelings were really hurt and I responded out of anger. That's it. Period. Hard stop. That's what a safe space does. They get to go back and they just say, you know what? I owe my shit. I fucked up. Shouldn't, you know, that wasn't cool. But that doesn't mean that in those moments you don't get to say something and be like, ooh, shit. I do it every day. Right? Yeah. But if we're constantly like white gloving, trying to make sure that those specific ruptures don't even actually happen because of the fear wrapped up around what might happen if they do, she senses all that and she knows all of that. I've said it to you before. Sometimes I feel like you handle situations with your child with kid gloves on. That's exactly what I meant. Right? And I get it. Yeah. It's, it's scary. I mean, and it's so understandable. It's so understandable yeah. based on what you've said. And there's so much guilt, you know, and this idea of you both continuing to do your own healing too, completely outside of your relationship with your daughter. If you're not already right, my like gentle suggestion to you is that specific guilt is something that you, you should be rolling around in more because That guilt that you hold over, it's my fault that my daughter has now this baggage is going to continue to haunt you, right? Like a little bit of this is we're looking at this from all of our perspectives, all the life that we've lived, all the experiences that we've had, all the age that we've had, you know, number of years we've had on this planet. We're looking at it from through those lenses. She doesn't have those lenses yet, but all of the experiences that she's had up until this point are only going to make her who she is. Whether those are experiences that you quote unquote kind of did to her, right? Or not, this is her life. This is her, her life trajectory. And a little bit of what I heard Gloria speaking to is like being able to be there with care and, and guide her through what that's like without this worry or this guilt around, I need to unpack this because it's my fault that she has this baggage. It's not your fault. And I actually think that's what you're, from my perspective, your therapist might've been speaking to with taking that power back is taking the narrative back that like some catastrophe has happened in your life that we can't repair from. No, all of this is like resilience building. This is what is going to make you the most beautiful, strong, empathetic, human in the world and I wouldn't change a thing. And I think that's really important 
Jay, for you to own for yourself. Like there's nothing yeah. about my journey up to this point that I would change. It has taught me so much about how to be an empathetic, compassionate human and the parent that I want to be to you. I wouldn't change a thing. Was it always easy? Of course not. But this is what like makes us the people that we are meant to be strong, right? Like, and so I think that's a little how you take that power back. The narrative that somehow like I have destroyed my child or that I did something horrid to my child that I need to be constantly making up for. No, that's just like, we want to sort of put that narrative to bed, you know? Correct me if I'm wrong, but to what Danae just said, that owning that that situation has created and shaped and molded who you are now. I think you own that in yeah. a positive way for yourself as an individual. But mm. when it comes to your daughter, you're like, oh my God, you do it the other way around. It, you're not owning it in a positive way because this is the thing. And tell me what you guys think. Could it be that Jay's daughter is holding on to that because Jay is holding on to it? I don't know. It could be. I don't know the answer to that. We'll never know. But if I feel like, to their point, if you are able to see it the same way for Bella as sorry, as you do for yourself and just say, like you say, that experience has helped shape and mold the, the amazing person that I am now. I am who I am now because of that experience. Mm -hmm. If you did that verbally and just modeled that and owned it in all the ways when it comes to her, maybe she can do the same thing. That yeah. is my, I mean, that's my hope for sure. You know, I just, I, I, it's not easy. And sometimes my head just wants to fucking pop. When, I've had, when I have conversations with her, because like, just because I get it and I see it, I have to remember, like, she has her own experience and she's not going to see it through my lens. And sometimes I have conversations with her about my relationship with Gloria. And I feel like I'm kind of like re repeating things. And I feel like I'm trying to convince her that this relationship is healthy and trying to convince her, like, see the dynamic here, see how it's different. And she's just like, it almost feels like she can't, she's not able to see it yet. And I don't want her to, I don't want to force it on her. And so I've, nor should you. Right. Yeah, and I think to me, that's the differentiation between codependency and interdependence, right? Which is that she gets to have her own process, her own journey around what you have come to understand. You can hold space for that. And as Vanessa said, you can tend to what it brings up for you when she's in that space of resistance. Um, I, I tend to like, I don't have to fix that for her. She gets to, and I honor her by allowing her to have her, her process, her resistance, her, you know, trajectory of whatever that looks like around my relationship with Gloria and how I hold the journey up to this point is wouldn't change a thing. And I get it, right? Like you get to take as long as you, like her process is her process. It's not for you to clean that up for her, from my perspective. Um, but, but that's like your work is like sitting in the discomfort of what that brings to the surface for you. And you know what, I, as we're like talking about this, what it's bringing up in me is I, I especially from, you know, a 12 year old, like a, a bit of an underdeveloped, right? Like we're still working on creating that emotional resiliency and all these things we're speaking to at face value, this idea of like, I wouldn't change a thing. All of these things that have happened in my life have helped me be who I am really living in and embodying that at face value. I imagine to a 12 year old feels a little bit like, Oh, so you're not sorry. Oh, so you think this is okay. Now I'm saying at face value. And continuing to come back to the practice of holding yourself with compassion, 
kind of like we were speaking to Gloria about, like, I get to be imperfect. I get to show up again and try tomorrow. Again, we're modeling that for her. Because if you spend the rest of your life in, like, this self-flagellation mode, trust that she's going to turn into somebody who continues to self-flagellate. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it to like be like, hey, be scared of what you're going to turn your kid into. That's not how I mean it. But it's like we also have to remember that if I want my child to forgive themselves, if I want my child to have that ability to, you know, bounce back and say, hey, I'm sorry I screwed up, but like I'm doing my best now. Like I have to be able to do that with myself. And it sounds like what Gloria said is like you, you, you're there in your own world and in your own process, but the way that you do it with her feels a little bit different. Like you do still hold on to guilt. And you're probably not ever going to not have some guilt. Like, let's all be real about that, right? But that might be more of your process right now is really focusing in on the guilt that you carry around, you know, what I quote unquote did to her. And like, can I actually allow some of that guilt to go and be free? Because she senses that in you too, you know, like they hold on to that. Yeah. And, and Gloria pretty much has the target on her back, you know, when it comes to the three of us, it's like she's the weakest link between the relationship between me and my daughter. And it hurts me, you know, and I see how it affects her and then it in turn affects our relationship. So I'm just trying to really hold space for her when she's, I feel like she detaches from the relationship because of what's happening. And I don't think she means to detach. I just feels like she detaches just so she can take care of herself which I respect, but it hurts. It hurts when she, when she detaches from the relationship. I'm still working on how to do that in a way that's not hurtful because it's going to happen. I'm going to need to protect myself. I tend to yeah. do it in a way that's hurtful for my partner. I cower. I, I completely, I don't, what's the word? Um, shut down. Yeah. Withdraw, like you withdraw from the relationship. Stonewall, stonewall. I don't completely do that, but having like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It damn near feels like one hair short of that at this point, you know, and that's, that's not okay. I don't want to do that. I, I know I should remain open, but how do you remain open when you keep getting things thrown Here's at you? Here's the thing from one stone waller to another, <laughs> what I, what I will say is the, again, this is this continual every day. I get to show up and try it again mm -hmm. differently. Right. And I get to acknowledge, yes. Hey, I did that thing that I know doesn't make you feel very great, right? And I'm going to continue to try to tweak that behavior and alter that behavior and be more open, right? And, and what I will say is I still shut down. 15 years into doing this work, I still shut down. I have a compassionate partner. It doesn't matter. I still shut down. It is my defense mechanism, right? If I let myself go, I will dissociate. I am totally stonewalling my partner, you know? And there have been tools along the way that help it get a little bit better, and I say a little bit better because I still do it. And I also say to my partner sometimes, I can't talk about this right now. I'm really overwhelmed and I feel myself leaving my body. I feel myself shutting down. I feel myself getting defensive. So I'm actually going to take 15 minutes. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go read a book. I'm going to separate from you. Not that I'm not coming back. I gave it a timeline. I'm going to take 15 minutes. I need that time for myself. That, by the way, is not actually shutting down. That's not emotionally abandoning your partner. That's owning where you're at in your process and asking that person to be compassionate with where you're at in your process. I need a little bit of time. I'll be back in 15 minutes. 
for me, it's helpful to go off and like write out some of the shit that's going on in my mind when I start to do that like dissociation thing, you know, bring it back down to like a tangible level. Then I come back in 15 minutes and I go, I got bullet points. <laughs> I need to read these bullet points to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh but I'm just saying like there are ways that you can still have that process and bring your partner, bring Jay in on your process, right? And through that, you actually do get quote unquote better at it each, each time. I have yeah. to agree. The first person who ever modeled that for me was my partner. Like, I'm going to need to take a day or two, but I'm going to check in with you every day so you know I'm not gone. And if I need more time, I'll tell you. And when I'm ready to talk, I'll tell you. And it took two days. And then the second day, they said, I'm still here. I'm just checking mm -hmm. in. I'm taking time. I need an extra day. I promise to come back to you. And they came back to me and they said, I'm ready to talk. Are you? And I was floored to the point where I felt myself falling through the floor almost I was part of the floor um and then there was a, a time much more recently and this is way early on in the big like that happened early on in our relationship and then there was a time recently where something had happened between me and the child and then um I got so upset and I started to disassociate a bit and my partner made it their business to say, okay, I'm going to go for a walk because I need one. Do you want to come with me and vent about it or not? And I did nothing, but we walked the dog and it's like a 10 minute walk. And I vented the entire time that by the time the walk was done and we had reached the front of the house again, I realized, holy shit, I'm almost done venting, almost. And we've already walked for about 10 minutes. And I stopped and I said, I need more time. Could you walk with me again? And my partner said, absolutely, I will walk with you. And if you need to keep venting, go for it. I'm listening to you. And by the time I was in the loop, I was calm. I felt heard, seen. And I think we had come to some sort of middle ground. Not yeah. as far as we're going to handle this way moving forward and we're going to try this thing. But that process in itself was a world different for me. It's as if I you're visited regulating Jupiter. your nervous system in that moment. It's not necessarily when you're activated like that, you're not making future plans. We're not, we're not trying to solve world peace when we're in an activated state, right? All we're trying to do is get our nervous system to come back on, like into this, you know, into our range of resilience. Then once we're there, then we can all attempt to solve world peace, right? But like that 10 minute walk is not where that happens. That 10 minute walk is really just for you to kind of regulate yourself, right? Whether it's with Jay or with, on your own, right? It, it, that's just it. That's, that's the whole purpose of that 10, 15 minutes, you know? And I love that you sort of intuitively did that, Jay, because when we are more on the avoidance scale of things, what ends up happening is what I've learned for a lifetime is whatever my emotional world is, is too much, right? So I have sort of like conditioned myself to hold it myself. So actually the brave alternate action is allowing someone else to witness me in whatever feels like my emotional mess in this moment. I love that you held space for that in such a like beautifully like safe containing way, Jay. But um, I think, you know, for you, Gloria, a lot of times your work when you want to stonewall is to, yes, mm -hmm. give yourself the breath that Vanessa's talking about, but check in with the narrative that I'm telling myself, right? What is the story I'm telling myself about what is happening here? Even like writing it down, like what, like, you know, that this is always going to be the case. I'm never going to have a space in this family. Like whatever the narrative that, that the dialogue that's happening in my head, it becomes really important for me to one, name that for myself so that I can start saying to Jay, the story I'm telling myself is, and then I start to invite that other person into my emotional landscape so that I can see 
I don't have to hold all of this by myself because what I would imagine, and Vanessa, you can speak to this, is like, I've done that for a lifetime. That is the coping mechanism I know how to do, but sometimes we can sort of be perpetuating the wound by continuing to hold that all by myself. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of times on that more avoidance side, like the nor- the narrative is something around like, I have to do this alone. I'm always in this by myself. I'm always mm-hmm. in and so to Danae's point, like if you can actually get to a place where you're like, oh, there it is again, there's that loop that keeps going and then you share it. Like my partner's very well aware that that's my narrative, you know? And so knowing that that's where I go, a lot of times there is that ability to reach across the aisle and say, hey, I know you're going to that place right now. You're mm-hmm. not alone. I'm right here. You know, whether you do what you need to do, whether you need to go off and regulate or whether you need to regulate with me doesn't matter. But like when you're regulated, we'll talk it out. Right? And yeah. it's one of those things not where you're like, anymore. You like look over your shoulder. You're like, I'm sorry. What did you just say? <laughs> yeah, that's me every time. Yeah. Look at what, who are you? Where did yeah. you come from? I'm always <laughs> having moments. Where I'm like, oh my god, I'm so oh, lucky. I still oh my god, like, I still do that. Yeah, Years yeah. in, I'm like, I'm sorry. What? I mean, he said it a million times, right? So, it. I mean, it's a lifetime of of unlearning the shit that we've learned, right? It doesn't happen overnight. I just wanna, I wanna say that to for the conversation we've been having about the three of you as a dynamic too, right? It's a lifetime of unlearning and learning and then unlearning some more and then learning some more. This is not going to get solved overnight, right? You guys, you've yeah. got a fresh teenager on your hands. You got a few years of volatility <laughs> ahead of you. Hate to break it to you. I didn't think I liked my mom until I was like 20 and I moved away. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, let's just be real. Um, continuing to practice, like not personalizing it, showing up and yeah. saying, what do I want to model? You know, what do I want to model for her? Even if it doesn't look like she's taking it in right now, I have to trust right. that me modeling this, this is the lesson that I'm, I'm offering her. Whether she chooses to take it from you or not is 100% her decision, but this is what I'm offering her. Um, right. and, and self-soothing. It sounds a lot like there's some self-soothing in this, like especially this idea of like, I'm not going to play triangle. I'm going to self-soothe around this, you know? And that you guys in your relationship is separate from the relationship dynamic with the three of you. Like it's like these little um, family systems. Right. And so I really want you guys also to focus on like you two are your own system. And that gets to be a sacred separate system from what is happening in the family. Doesn't mean it's not impacted by it, of course, but also their safety and like, we're not going anywhere just because we have an emotionally volatile teenager on our hands, which we will, you know, to Vanessa's point, right. she's going to at 21 be like, oh my God, <laughs> those years, my teenagers, I was the devil, but that's, that's developmentally appropriate. And a lot of the self-regulation work that we're talking about is like you reminding yourself of that in these moments, just like with a toddler, it's like, none of this is personal. They're working out all these growing pains and it's not about me, yeah, you know, sure. I see that all the time growing pains they're hard <laughs> really yes. hard. That's necessary i yeah. get to step in especially you gloria like it doesn't matter even if she's in her growing pains i still get to step in and be vulnerable and say that really hurt my feelings or mm-hmm. i get to have my blow up because whoops i was triggered and i and i couldn't kind of control that in that moment and i get to come back after the fact and say you know what i shouldn't have said that i'm sorry she gets to respond yeah. however she wants again it's not personal she can say fuck you in your apology yeah. you know what it's not personal I own my shit. I get I you. And I, I understand that that's how you feel. <laughs> I, I respect it. that. <laughs> you know, it's working so hard, you know, the awareness is real. And then being in a relationship where you could actually practice the work is 
it's it's great, but it's just like so hard because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to lose my partner. I've created this. I've manifested her in my work and it's just like this is so great i want to hold on to it but this is the hardest thing we're dealing with right now this is a perpetual problem for us but this triangle i know you know this is yes and beautifully said gloria this is you guys workshopping the truth of like we're in this we're in this together you don't have to do these things alone so beautifully said and so let's put that fear on a shelf where we can't even get it like Y'all aren't going anywhere. This is like, you manifested this. We can't lose this. This is beautiful. We're here together in this. Yeah. And as we know, like good relationships are not easy. You know, this whole bullshit around like, if it's the one, it should be like, we know it's bullshit, right? It's hard work because, because we're the kind of people who really are trying to like, you know, grow and evolve. Like, yeah, it might be easy for people who want to keep their head in the sand, but that's not the people in this room right now. You know, and so if that's the case that we want to be holding ourselves accountable, we want to be con- like, it's hard, you know, and, and we have to just acknowledge that too. Yeah, it's not personal. This is what I signed up for. I signed up to grow with this person and to let myself see in a mirror sometimes. And God, that sucks. You know, this is what I signed up for. And so that also helps depersonalize it too. It's not about the other person. This is about, this is the path that I chose. I, I want a conscious relationship. And sometimes that's what it takes. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> appreciate you both so much. Like I said, I think this is going to be really helpful for people to hear. And I just, I appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to go there and, and let us in on your story. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you. The name. You guys take care. Let us know how you're doing. Okay. Well, we will. Right, send us an email. <laughs> I will. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Bye. Bye you guys. Take care. I just, I really loved that couple so much. You know, I think after listening to that, I'm sure you all feel the same way as we do, that there was so much in that that I found myself in and that Mm. I could relate to in so many ways. Like, even if you're not a parent, right? I mean, you can just, the struggles that it sounds like they've both come from and what they're attempting to create in this relationship is so commendable. It's so, I don't know, like I, 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 I commend them, I guess is the best way I can say it. It's like, it, it just is, it's wonderful to hear people really saying like, I am committed to having a conscious relationship and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do everything in our power to make that happen. Yeah. I love that. I feel like I hear you speaking to the layers of vulnerability, the two of mm-hmm. them demonstrated. And, you know, I often say, I think parenthood is one of the most vulnerable things that we will do as human animals. Um, it's, you know, like literally your heart walking around outside of you and, you know, just, you know, that this person, this being could floor you at any moment. I think that must, um, and both of us have young kiddos, but I think that must get more intense as they get older, you know, and you sort of feel that push and pull of them moving away from you and coming back, knowing they need you, but like resisting you. And this thing of like attempting to be in partnership with someone and the vulnerability of that, as we all, you know, speak to and know, like this thing of standing in front of someone and saying, can you love me? Can you see Mm -hmm. me and still Mm -hmm. love all that I am? But also like balancing that with the responsibility of being a parent and also attempting to get to know and love your partner's child. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And I think that layered on top of you know, so much of the previous generations 
approach to parenting was, you know, it's like you being a good parent, the only thing that mattered was that you had obedient children. Like that was the only indication that you were a quote unquote good parent. And, um, you know, this, she said a couple of times, Gloria said a couple of times, the idea of respect. And it was like, I could hear her parent or her grandparent, like speaking through her, right? Like Mm -hmm. that wasn't her voice. It was as if it was coming through her because this idea of like demanding respect is so much a part of that old generation. And so much of us gets, gets triggered with our children when we feel as though they're not respecting us. And I think it's so valuable for us to sit with that feeling and really question what our idea is around respect, what our relationship is to respect, you know, what is it about somebody feeling like they're quote unquote disrespecting us um, that that does trigger us in that way? Like there's just so much excavation I think that could be done around the idea of respect that I think then gets put on top of children. Um, mm. And I think she spoke to that a few times and and it was in a way that you could tell she was like grappling with it. And I And I think that was really valuable too. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's so many layers of mirroring. I think children are such profound teachers if we're really willing to humble ourselves and be present with the lessons that they have to offer us. But I think that you're right. It is a new paradigm of, you know, just a way of being and interacting Mm -hmm. with one another that we're really attempting to do and be as parents. And I think we've got to give ourselves a lot of grace because none of Mm -hmm. us are going to do it perfectly. It's a very different conversation than the conversation we were raised to have around parenting. But, you know, as I think we spoke about Cantor, Catherine Wintercellery in the episode. And I heard her saying that her dad sort of circled back to her about the way she's parenting and said, you know, it's a better way. And Mm. I think that seeing our children and really honoring and attempting to respect them as autonomous beings, you know, giving them the same respect that we would love to have and desire. um, It's a better way, you know? I agree. Yeah. And for all of you listening, I will give you a, a quick update. So I did get an email the next day uh, mm. and um, Gloria had a conversation mm. with their daughter outside of, she was showering and she was like doing it through the crack in the bathroom door kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and she basically said to her all of the things that we had had this conversation about, right? Like how she was feeling and how she felt like she was failing and how she felt like she couldn't, you know, live up to this and how she felt like she couldn't get away from what had happened and she was being punished for it. And basically just everything we had, we had spoken about. And she said that their daughter took it exceptionally well. She was quiet. She didn't interrupt. She thanked her for telling her that. And that (laughs) at the end of it, she came out of the bathroom and was engaging with both of them in like a very cheery way, almost as if a weight had been lifted. And and in a way that she, Gloria said that they they hadn't interacted in months. And, you know, she kind of jokingly was like, why didn't I do this sooner? (laughs) But it was just a really sweet message to get so soon, actually, after the the podcast, you know, recorded, because usually we don't get those kind of updates right away. And yeah. so I also want to give a shout out to her because I know she's probably listening to this to say, like, brava, you actually took it and you did it right away. And I love that. Oh, that just takes my breath away. Just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's all about that repair, y'all. Hmm. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.